0: reasons to believe in the future of the Pittsburgh baseball club that's the challenge I've put before myself this week to fill one episode each week with one of these and believe it or not I'm gonna have an easy time pulling it off including part two Today, Good morning to you. Good Tuesday morning. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports. This is Daily Shot of Pirates. It comes your way bright and early every weekday. If you're into football and or hockey, I also offer up daily shots of Steelers and Penguins right where you found this. For anybody who missed part one yesterday, my opening, my first reason For fans to believe was a, um, how do I put this, kind of a hokey, sappy, potentially pandering choice in saying the fans themselves. Because Pittsburgh is 136 years old as a National League baseball town. The Pirates are in our veins, whether we're angry with them or not. Most people are. But that also means that they care. That is a strength. That is a strength. I'm going to get a little bit more tangible today with the next facet, and that's the minor league system being ranked number four by Baseball America and top four, really, by pretty much everybody, whether it's MLB Pipeline, Fan graph, some of the more analytical and less scouting-based Sites, pretty much everybody has the Pirates up there, okay, in the top five at the absolute worst. And although the Rays are number one with a rocket, like nobody's got a chance of even catching them, at least not for the foreseeable future, the other thing that kind of sets the pirate system apart, even within that group, again, minus raise, is that they have the great big upward arrow. Most of their talent that accounts for that ranking has been brought into the system fairly recently, so they're seen as kind of a a, a big riser, a hot commodity up there. They would have the the flaming arrow, if you will, next to their designation. And that's that's nice too, because what that tells you more than anything else is that it's the new management team that's made it happen. That's not to say that there aren't prospects in the system and younger players in Pittsburgh who weren't acquired by the previous front office. Brian Reynolds came in the Andrew McCutcheon trade that was made by Neil Huntington. Brian Hayes was drafted by the Neil Huntington group. But it is to say that. The players at the lower levels, the ones that have everybody, including the independent ranking services, excited, are in low class A Bradenton, high class A Greensboro. To some extent, they did make their way up to double A Altoona, and a couple of them even made it to triple A Indianapolis, and two at the very end made it all the way to Pittsburgh. So we've seen. These guys, acquired by the new management team, come in and make an impact both individually and from the team standpoint. And that in and of itself, I know there are a lot of people, especially in Pittsburgh, with not having had more than four winning seasons in the last 30 years who really don't even want to hear about prospects anymore. To them, it sounds like exactly the same thing as the guys before them and the guys before them. That's not what this is. That's not what this is. This is high-ceiling talent, the kind that is the hardest to acquire, and that really doesn't have much at all in common with anything that had been done in Pittsburgh before this. This portion of Daily Shot of Pirates is brought to you by our friends at North Shore Tavern, home of Steak on a Stone, home of the city's best baseball-based sports bar. And I'm not sure it's got fair competition. Mike Sukich is the owner, and he has the place dressed up in amazing memorabilia that he's collected over the years, that he has out on display it's beautiful from front to back. Whether you're into more recent Pirates winning history, you know, the stuff from 2013 to 15, or the stuff that goes way back to the 1800s in the turn of the previous century when the Pirates fielded, quite candidly, their greatest teams. Visit North Shore Tavern directly across Federal Street from PNC Park. When you do, send me a Send me a note. I'd, I'd love to hear about your experience there. The next person I hear from that didn't have a great time and a great meal will be the very first, North Shore Tavern. There's a difference between sending Garrett Cole to the Astros and getting Joe Musgrove, Colin Moran, Michael Feliz, and getting those guys back. And being able to bring three of those guys immediately to PNC Park and then doing what Ben Charrington did in moving Musgrove as part of that three-way trade involving the Padres and Mets for a bunch of much younger pieces who have high ceilings but also low floors— These are the kinds of trades that were not being made under Huntington. Believe it or not, that's not even necessarily a criticism. Because those types of trades aren't for everybody. Some GMs who might have less experience, less confidence, whatever you want to call it, aren't equipped to make high ceiling, low floor trades acquisitions. They're just not. They don't have the baseball acumen. They don't have the baseball people that they trust with that kind of acumen. And they also might not be able to stomach or handle that prospect hitting that low floor because it'll feel like a total wash. You know why? Because it'll be a total wash. Charrington's stated policy on acquisitions when he took the job was that he was going to line up as much high-ceiling-type talent as he could in quantity to overcome, to overcome those guys who do hit that floor. And they will hit that floor. You know that draft that everybody was raving over this past summer? And it was. The process, what the Pirates did there, was like playing chess versus checkers to what everyone else was doing. But the fact that they were able to get their target, according to them, at number one in Louisville catcher Henry Davis, and then get three other players who'd been projected by most draft publications to be in the first round... And you're thinking, four first-rounders, wow, this is amazing. Wait till all four of them get here. It's going to be amazing to have all this talent just come. It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. I don't mean to be the wet blanket. But in a weak moment, Charrington and Steve Sanders and everybody else associated with the Pirates would admit this. It's not going to happen. If it does, it'd be a minor miracle, and it would really, really buck baseball history you just don't see everyone make it maybe you can arrange or ensure that they'll at least arrive in the majors i mean we've seen that in recent years with the pirates with some pretty dubious first round picks they at least get here because you hate to have a first rounder who doesn't even come knocking on the door doesn't mean they'll produce. It doesn't mean they'll be any good for you. The hardest part of this equation, especially within baseball's economic imbalance, is to get elite-type talent. The Pirates have taken significant strides toward getting those players. Into the system. Getting them to Pittsburgh is another step. Keeping them in Pittsburgh, and by that I'm not talking about money, I'm talking about keeping them as in making sure that they're good enough to earn staying in the major leagues, is yet another. Once that happens, that third one, and you fill a spot on the diamond, a spot in the rotation, even a spot in the bullpen. Once you do that, you've got another piece in there. You've got another piece in there. Right now in Pittsburgh, there aren't many. There aren't many pieces. It's, it's hard to get any kind of number that anyone would take seriously that would be beyond a handful. How do you attack that? Get players who have the natural God-given abilities to become really, really good major leaguers. Run the risk that they won't make it because they might be missing some other components or consistencies or things that show up in certain players who mature faster than others. But bring those guys in in quantity and let them sort it out on the way up through the system that process is underway and to date to date it's been highly successful doesn't mean it's going to continue to be that way but to date it's been that and that is another reason to believe when we come back just one question back it's time for just one question and that comes to us today from Jim who asks does Bob Nutting finally take a stand in the next CBA or is he content with status quo I'd be mortified Jim if he doesn't take a stand but that's not what you're asking you're not asking what I think You're asking if he actually will do it. My feeling is that whatever stand he would take, and he and others around him will attest that he does that on a fairly regular basis behind the scenes whenever he's dealing with Rob Manford and the commissioner's office in general, But that's not going to cut it. That's not going to cut it. The Pirates at some point or other have to start sticking up for themselves and their right as a franchise to compete. The problem with that message coming from Nutting is the obvious. And that is that A, nobody outside Pittsburgh thinks he's trying to compete and B nobody in Pittsburgh at all thinks he's trying to compete. So that that's a bad place to be if you're approaching any side or any facet of the labor negotiations and trying to make a case. Because the easy counter to anything that he says is, really? Really? You're trying? You want us to help you try harder? Well, okay, where has all this money gone? Where has the MLBAM money, for those of you who don't know, what that is, the $50 million check that the Pirates and the other 29 teams all received four years ago? as part of the revenues that arrive from merchandising, advanced media, internet, and so forth. Where did that go? Where did that go? You can't get answers to questions like that. The commissioner's office isn't going to go poking back. They're not going to conduct their own whatever investigation. But the commissioner's office is most likely going to say to themselves... Wow, really? You want us to bail you out when you haven't made anywhere near the visible effort, the vocal effort, to try to compete in Pittsburgh? It's a He's going to be damned if he does, damned if he doesn't, in this sense. If he does, it's going to look and sound ridiculous. If he doesn't, then people like me and presumably you, Jim, are going to criticize him for not doing it. Because somebody needs to stand up for what's best for baseball in Pittsburgh. That has to be the owner. It can't be Travis Williams. It definitely can't be Ben Charrington. It has to be the owner, the majority owner of the franchise doing that. Is he going to do it? If you ask me to bet on it right now, I would say no. Should he do it? Hell yes. But here again is something that I repeat for people who've been with me for a long time on a regular basis. People get mad at Nutting for all the wrong things. He's not the best owner for this franchise, but it's not not because of payroll, or it's not just because of payroll. It's because of other stuff like this. Pittsburgh needs and deserves a fighter in that role to rail against this system, to make a difference. And that's a really, really, really hard case to make from where he sits. You could listen to the ownerships in Milwaukee and in Cincinnati and even in St. Petersburg, Florida. Or you could say, listen, we're doing everything. Look at us. We're competing. We're beating out the Yankees and the Red Sox on a regular basis. What what you know, what more do you want from us? Just put in a salary cap system so we can spend like them and look out. But coming from Pittsburgh, man, that's tough. That's tough. I appreciate the question. I appreciate everybody listening to Daily Shot of Pirates, part three of Why to Believe is coming.